previously on Elite Week. We're still pioneers. We've barely begun. Our greatest accomplishments cannot be behind us because our destiny lies above us. Last night, Darth Vader came down from Planet Vulcan and told me that if I didn't take Lorraine out, that he'd melt my brain. Meet me at Hangar 3-5 in half an hour. Bring two speeder bikes and give me the tracking fob. Man, reincarnation must be real because no one can get that stupid in just one lifetime. Hello and welcome to Elite Week, episode 35, Friday, September the 4th, 2020, 3306 for those of you living in the verse. This is the Galactic Water Cooler, and I hope that you are ready because we are going to rock. I'm Kai Zen, your host on this drunken little tour, along with Roy Cookson. Say hello, sir. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. We got Arson Cross on the tech. Say hello. Hello, hello. We got Tweet74 representing the op Open Pilots Initiative. Say hi, Tweet. Happy Friday night, everybody. Everybody crack open a cold one, strap in, and let's have some fun tonight. Hells yes. And our special guest tonight, you know him as the Mechanic Man. Say hello. 
Hey everybody, how you guys doing today? Fantastic, we are doing good. All right, so as uh, as you all know, we got to go through all of the standard Elite Week stuff. We're going to start off. The cover art this week was actually, I call it Winter Wonderland. It's just a name I made up, but it's the uh, it's a promo cover art that was provided by the Frontier Developments Art Department. So thank you for that. Uh, let's see here. Our opening song this week was Awakening, uh, epic piano music by Stefan Daum. And I'm just going to say it now so I don't have to later because I never remember to. The closing music this week is, is For Tomorrow by Sav FK. S-A-V-F-K. Both of these are going to be in the show notes, so take a look. All right, here we go. Uh, uh, Roy, why don't you go ahead and start with the uh, all of the promo stuff. Sure. So if you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and the visuals, you can check us out at youtube.com forward slash elite week. If you're watching us on YouTube and would like to know how to catch our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash elite week. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at eliteweek3306 at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Elite Week Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash elite week discord where you can check out community feedback resources on turning the wheel and real-time updates about elite from a variety of content creators in addition to the discord community feedback channel feel free to write in our youtube comments anything about the topic of the week as well as anything else you'd like to share we'd love to hear from you also on youtube please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell it really helps us out we record live on YouTube every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, midnight UTC, so come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use, and let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. We don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. Let's start with the Galnet watch. The last post was Vitadine Nanomeds in June uh, 9th, 33.06, which was 77 days ago today. Soon, TM. Keep watching. Also, we want to give a big shout out to Dr. K. Ross, who is in recovery post-procedure, and she seems to be doing well based off of tweets and the, the stream, the little thing that she did about, you know, recovering and yada, yada. Our hearts go out to you, Dr. K. We, we love you, and we hope that you're soon completely on the men and 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 feeling great. And, uh, yeah, so uh, just wanted to give a little shout-out there. All right, let's start right off with our guest interview with the Mechanic Man. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you guys doing today? Great, great. So first off, people can find your YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash mechanic man. And I first became aware of you a while back on some of your older videos. And then you sort of took a little bit of a break. And then you came back with a big splash at the, the contest that Frontier did uh, a while back, a couple months back um, mm -hmm. with fleet carriers. And for those who remember the 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 winning entry on that video where it was like oh, i love this job i guess i'm gonna do this i'm gonna go ahead and be a mechanic on this fleet carrier and like oh shit i hate this job my boots don't work and they're throwing me in these work conditions that's this guy this guy makes awesome videos and 
I think a lot of people saw that video. A lot of newer people to Elite saw that video, but don't know about your older content. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah. how you came to Elite and how you started making content and some of your favorite videos other than that one that, that everyone saw, you know, a month or two ago. Of course, curious. Yeah, no, I started playing Elite back in 2016. Um, it was probably, gosh, May or June or so. I bought it in April. But I decided, you know, kind of right at the beginning that I wanted to be a VR only commander. So I actually had the game for three or four months, refused to play it until my Vive showed up. I was like a first, first, you know, the first wave of people that were getting that very first uh, HTC Vive. And I was just holding on and waiting to get that. Um, you know, I'd seen, I'd actually played a little bit of the original Elite back on the Commodore 64. Um, I was a little bit young for it, but I still remembered a little bit of it. I followed the <laughs> Kickstarter when the Elite Dangerous came out, kind of forgot about it for a long time, and then mm-hmm. kind of just popped back up on the radar for myself. And I said, you know, I decided, you know, look, the HTC Vive is coming out. Elite is there. They're talking about VR support. I want to I want to live in that ship. I don't want to play Pancake ever. And I kind of just forced myself to be a VR-only commander from that point on. And okay. Got into it and kind of realized that, you know, the first thing that I really noticed about Elite, the game is great, but all the people around it have been so fantastic since the very, very beginning and all the content creators and all the people who get involved with it. And I kind of decided I wanted to do a little bit of something like that, too. And I was just trying to think of something that would be a neat, you know, kind of a neat draw. And I thought, you know, what do, what do I like to see on, on YouTube? What would, what would mm-hmm. be cool for other people, too? And I'm like, I like those videos that just it's just some nobody showing you how to fix something on a car. You don't have that 30 second intro. You don't have that, you know, smash that like button and, you know, hit subscribe. And, you know, <laughs> it's just some guy who's like, this is how you fix, you know, this is how you replace an alternator on a 1984 Honda Civic. You do mm-hmm. it like this and it's done. The video's over. And I kind of tried to, you know, why don't I do that? Do that in Elite. I dig it. I dig it a lot. And uh, I, I think we sort of ride that line. We have a little yeah. bit of polish to our system, but there's a whole hell of a lot of just we are who we are. We're, yeah. we're just a bunch of space nerds that love to play this video game. That's all it is. And I just wanted to have a way to celebrate that a little bit. So, you know, what is it like in the life of a guy who fixes your ships when you come in? What happens <laughs> when you go in there and hit that repair button in, in the background? We got all these mm. people doing something. And this is a little bit of that view on the inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that's sort of where your content started from. And then, like I said, you, you, you made content like that. You took a little bit of a break, then you came back and, and this, this recent sort of VR, uh, magnum opus for the, for the, uh, frontier, uh, fleet carrier contest (laughs) or whatever, which unless I'm mistaken, you still haven't gotten your hotas, huh? I am, Bruce, if you're listening, I am still waiting, but I understand (laughs) if you do not have it yet, there is a huge shortage on HOTAS supply right now, so I get it if that's the case, so, you know, I'm okay. (laughs) But, you know, don't forget about you. Don't forget. All right, so uh, what are you looking, what's next for the Mechanic Man? What's what's on the horizon, or are you you just sort of waiting for the next sort of thing to to strike you? Because I know that you've been dipping your toes and getting into the whole uh twitch community yeah thing. i've been i've been hanging out in twitch lately people have probably seen me in chat a little bit i've just you know kind of gotten enamored with twitch a little bit lately i've completely mm-hmm. never been there at all i didn't know about any of the communities i knew there was i knew they were there but i hadn't you know experienced it at all and so now i'm just there and kind of seeing what it's all like i'm like this is really awesome i'm getting to experience it like for the first time right now i'm kind of just enamored with the whole thing i'm watching enterprises stream a whole bunch right now i love his production values he's got the whole like you know, marketing production 
feel behind it. He's got all that part down. He's doing a great job on there. Everybody else, Mal for the win is awesome. Everybody who I've been watching has been fantastic. So I'm just, I'm in that like honeymoon period with Twitch right now. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm just <laughs> sitting in the chat watching people. I'm just, this is my first time doing that. It's so cool. Beautiful. Beautiful. I dig it. Yeah. All right. Well, definitely stay with us strap in we're about to go on a uh, sort of drunken uh, stumbling <laughs> fumbling bumbling tour through the galaxy so stay with us and tell us what you think all right so let's get things started off with the dark wheel update so as it, as i told you we would we expanded out of Enyanwu. we landed in ltt 5455 and immediately we you know had an invasion war we swept it four to nothing um then the next day it was literally one day out of war because there's a cooldown period and then the next day we initiated our war for second place uh so we are in war right now and uh, we've uh swept two days we're we're gonna sweep it in four and after that and within three days we should be initiating war for ownership of the system after that we're gonna obviously you know try to push as fast as possible and uh get it over 75 percent and expand out of this system the very next system that we jump to if all goes well we have a system in mind i can't say what it is for opsec reasons but if we land where we hope to that will be the the system that we're going to test the soul leg of the experiment on so that will be the very next expansion will be the test system that when we expand from that we will either a or b either we go into soul which would be awesome somebody should go there because there's only six systems or six factions or we don't and if we don't it's no big deal because we're going to shape that jump to where if we don't land in soul the next spot that we'll land is starting off on our journey towards uh uh 509 and we will test phase two at the same time we as soon as the cooldown dropped we immediately because we've been we were over 80 percent for days sort of waiting for it as soon as the cooldown dropped we expanded out of 4979 on our tour going towards lave which is phase three of the project so things are going gangbusters uh, we're waiting for, we've shaped that expansion and we're sort of doing fine tuning more shapes and shapes and shapes as every day goes by. And we hope to land, uh, in the spot that we picked and we should be in the lave area soon. So I'm going to have to reach out to my good buddy, uh, Edelweiss, who is the, uh, uh, commandante of the lave radio Navy and, uh, We'll work out the arrangements to let us sort of play through and come say hi and lave. So that should be exciting. Um, but basically, that's where we're at with things. Everything is going fantastic. I want to say a huge thank you to the uh, Black Sky Legion and the Rabbit Hamster Assault Force. Uh, both uh, special operations teams are just doing beautifully they're they're succeeding on sort of every 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 goal that is set um and i want to say a huge thank you to everyone out there the rank and file the people that are turning the wheel that just go every day and look at the standing orders or go from you know from the uh the forum post or 
people who just even see like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I saw Down to Earth is doing this for this, or I saw, you know, Burr is doing that, or Scorpius is doing this, or DH396 is doing that, and and they say, okay, that's what the Dark Wheel's doing, let's go ahead and do it. I want to say thank you to all of you guys. This is amazing. This is fun. We are pushing, if nothing else, we're doing two things with this. Number one, this experiment is definitely, if there's something here, we're going to find it. But in addition to that, we are showing Frontier. There are a lot of their customers that want something to happen with this. Story is important to us, and hopefully they will give us some soon. So, fingers crossed. All right. I guess that more or less covers it for the Dark Wheel. So let's go ahead and move on to the Dark Nebula. The Dark Nebula, they do these music packs. Uh, they have a new music pack out called Triangulum. Uh, it's been released. This is music that can be used with the uh, in-game. Uh, it triggers on in-game uh, events based on it, it works with voice attack. So like if you're docking, if you're in combat, if something this, if that, it looks for these uh, cues in the API of the game through voice attack and it'll start playing different types of music. They have different theme packs out. And this Triangulum is a very sort of 80s synth, sort of very... You know, that old school synthy kind of, um, how do I want to say it? Like uh, you know, bit, a little no, bit of bit music? Kind of? No, no, no. Like Tron or or remember like uh, uh, Blade Runner, that kind of synthy mm. 80s Vangelis kind of Vangelis, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That that kind of, that's that was 80s synth. That was a big mm-hmm. 80s sci-fi synth. That's what this is. It's that theme. Awesome. So go check it out. There's a link in the show notes and see, you know what you guys think all right so let's start with the dark wheel update and the dark nebula roy you started so go ahead what do you think i I, you know i'm i'm glad you did the shout out to the rank and file i just i like to reinforce that uh this is the work of many many people and um even if even if you're new to this and you and you haven't been in it till now uh we can always use more help and it doesn't need to be something that you spend eight hours a day on a couple missions here and there it all adds up so Please uh, join in if you haven't already and uh, help us help us solve this this big mystery. Right on. All right. Uh, Arson, what do you think on the Dark Wheel update and the Dark Nebula music pack? I have not looked at the music pack, uh, but as far as the Dark Wheel is concerned, I am excited as usual. Uh, Definitely also proud and very much appreciative for the work that's being put in, and I'm very much looking forward to our next trade-capable base in LTT 5499 so that my fleet carrier commanders can hit it. 5455. But yes, absolutely. No no worries, though. (laughs) Uh, just for those that uh, are, are not aware, Arson is the sort of uh, commander of our uh, carrier ops wing. We have groups of carrier pilots that do different trade-based carrier ops, and Arson is the guy who coordinates all that. So I want to say thank you for that, Arson. Tweet. All right. Tweet, your thoughts on both of those issues. Yeah, the, the the music packs. It's always good to have more options and some very cool stuff. And it, it's it is a, a throwback to like you said the Blade Runner sound, all that kind of stuff. Uh, as far as the Dark Wheel goes, I can't agree more with the hard work that the community's been doing, along with the Spec Ops groups. 
This has to be one of the most exciting expansions I've been a part of, and I've been a part of quite a few of them throughout the last few years. But moving into Seoul or not being able to move into Seoul has been one of the Ten Commandments, so to speak, that has always been said can't be done. And we are about to prove one way or another whether or not that's true. And that, to me, is very exciting. May very well be that it can't be done, but we will not know until we try. That's right. All right. Mechanic Man, your thoughts? I've not listened to the new music pack yet, but I've been using uh, VMX and the other packs that they have for a very long time, since before they were Dark Nebula. They had a name change a couple years back. I can't recall what it was, but I've been using them forever. That's great software. So yeah, I have. I want to hear this new one as well. Beautiful. Um, the Dark Wheel stuff is always awesome. I, I love story. I, I'm love making story so the story that you guys are doing and you know expanding out and figuring out dark, the dark wheel and everything involved with it is incredible work i love it mm, absolutely all right so let's move on to uh the race news a new segment and this is sponsored by the elite racers eight wheel drive endurance race challenge and they sent me a whole bunch of alcohol as payment so <laughs> hit the commercial Compromised. Welcome to the Scarab Proving Grounds. Watch your favorite racer compete for victory while they boost their SRV across the planets at speeds of well over 100 meters per second. Tune in to the 8-Wheel Drive Endurance Championship broadcast during one of the five remaining races in the championship. Check out the Elite Racer subreddit for more details and a link to their Discord. All right. Good stuff. So... Let's start with the Elite Racers, the eight-wheel drive endurance rally race. The third rally race just happened last week. It was the Brookpoy, and the highlights at Brookpoy video is out. This was an amazing race. I uh, encourage everyone, Arson, go ahead and throw the video up there. I encourage everyone to check out this video. It is not like any other race video you have seen before, other than the other ones from this same group. They are, the production value is like nothing you have seen before. It is like you were watching a race on ESPN. This shit is fire. I'm not joking. Go click this link, subscribe to this channel, and check out this shit. This race was amazing. Going into this, this is the third race of the rally series. So there's a continuing point, you know, uh, uh, sort of value of all of the guys going into this it's like it's your 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 score continues and follows you race by race and going into this one alec turner was in second place shea blackwood was in first place with a commanding lead so in this one uh skur got off to an amazing start this race was different than any of the other ones if you notice they're racing at night so they are on the tidally locked planet on the night side and this race was set up this way on purpose and i love that footage that you're seeing right there you've got a ship that is the camera drone that is following you know the the uh the the racer up front and you're seeing amazing out you know external shots combined with your internal shots and right here i think we're coming up on it shea has a nasty spill he lands very very rough and takes his chassis down to 7% hull early. And that was key to the whole thing. This 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 set the whole tone because he went for an emergency early pit. And on he on one of the last jumps, you can see he's just coming up on his ship that's landing. 
he there's a like a little sort of hillet that's between two hills and he lined up just right to, to land it right but he just clips just barely clips this little hill that's in between the two in the dark and that is enough to explode his ship game over dropping him down to second place in the overall points value now for the series alec turner moves up to first place and oh oh sashes takes third place dropping down the the previous third place uh holder to down to number four and Gurr moved up several places in in uh in his showing based on this night race it is an amazing series an amazing rally an amazing oh it hurts watching shea blow up like that uh this is just fucking awesome all right let's start with mechanic man what do you think of this Racing is one of my favorite things because I'm an autocross racer in real life. I, I build engines. I do all that stuff. I'm not just fake mechanic man, but um, I've never been able to be involved in any of the elite races. Just I've simply just time constraints. I would love to be part of it. These guys are fantastic. I love the production values in their video. That's always my favorite thing to see. Mm. It's just awesome stuff that they're always doing. I'd love to be part of it, actually. Yeah, for sure. All right, Roy, what do you think? Uh yeah i'll just echo all this and and not to belabor it but this is genuinely exciting and suspenseful yeah. to watch mm-hmm. it's high speed uh it's got a great commentary stuff blows up it's just it's a it's a great video and let me tell you something this series has pathos it has fucking oh i could not give a fuck about nascar about a <laughs> bunch of rednecks going slightly Sunday, left for Sunday, eight Sunday. hours but this, when you watch this and you see that going into this series, Shay had the lead and Alec takes it here. And the, the, you know, like the overall story week to week that goes on, like, cause these races happen like every two weeks. And it's a continuation of it's, it's, it's like when you're following your team to the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, you see how, you know, this week they're up, next week they're down and you're just watching the story unfold over the season. This is incredible. Tweaked. Yeah. Well, I, I echo everything Roy just said, but the production value of the videos are just through the roof good. It, it really adds to the excitement and to watch things blow up and the, the up and down of the standings and everything. This is really good stuff. People should. Pe- most people don't even know this is happening out there. People are sleeping on it. They should really, really wake up and check this out. This is good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And arson. Now that you've blown everybody's eardrums <laughs> out with that music, give us your commentary. I don't know if I could say anything about this that didn't get expressed in my three seconds of re, other than Frontier should really be relaying this on their live stream. Because, Frontier oh, should oh, really yes. be relaying this. This should go out on fr- literally Frontier should like take. OK, this is video three. Frontier should be taking video one, two and three and putting this out to play it on their stream once a week. And then next week when race four comes out, one, two, three, and four, add them all together. It doesn't hurt anything. This could legitimately turn into an eSport. This is, if Frontier does not, I mean, I know that they mentioned it in their stream and they showed a little thing. If they don't seriously restream this and push the hell out of this, because this right here, will people will buy the game going wait what the hell are these guys doing this shit is amazing so yeah a hundred percent 
All right. So that is the uh, Elite Racers eight wheel drive in industrial uh, what endurance challenge, which seems to be very very highly integrated with the Buckyball Racers. If you look at the leaderboards. In addition to this, right now going on is the Real Men Race in Lederhosen, uh, which is put on by the Buckyball Race uh, uh, Club. There are four different categories. We are not going to show you the leaderboards because whoever designed that leaderboard is trying to get people to have like seizures. Uh, but go look at it for yourself. There's a link in the show notes and you can go to the Buckyball Race uh, uh, Club Discord and the forum page for it the race ends on the 6th so it's still ongoing for two more days so get out there and get it done all right and uh, go ahead and throw up that second race commercial to play us out arson chassis integrity compromised do you have what it takes to leap down your scarab across the terrain at speeds of well over 100 meters per second? Do you understand that over the crater is the only option, no matter the size? Join the 8-wheel drive endurance championship and show the galaxy the size of your... Uh, boosters. Check out the Elite Racers subreddit for sign-up details and a link to the Discord. Alright, now somebody was mentioning in the chat before the show even started, are you guys going to talk about the new video cards? Uh, Arson, why don't you scratch that itch, brother? Well, I'm going to say the answer to that is a resounding yes. Uh, as people know, the new 3080 series from NVIDIA has come out. Um, I'm going to show you all a lovely, lovely little uh, video clip for those watching live. And basically, uh, the, the nuts and bolts of it, I'm not going to get into the technical stats, um, but what they use to demo is a proprietary piece of technology they call Marbles. It's a fully path-traced, photorealistic, real-time graphic engine. Uh, and they basically have this marble uh, and props that are modeled in real-time, uh, and the lighting is all modeled in real-time. Nothing is pre-rendered in this. Uh, and it was run on NVIDIA's highest in Turing Quattro RTX 8000s at 720p at 15 frames per second uh, a few months ago. The enhanced version, which has been upgraded to include some new lighting features and what have you, now runs at 1440p at 30 frames per second, a four times increase in performance. Uh, some of the uh, YouTubers out there that have already started doing analyses of these cards are basically saying it is a straight double in performance over the 2080 RTX series. Um, and there is a ton of new AI-powered features for live streamers and web camera users. Uh, everything from creating green screens that look to appear and function damn near perfectly uh, with no actual green screen or uh, solid color walls of any kind. It's pretty intense stuff. And as those of you looking at the footage can see, that's really beautiful. It almost looks like you're watching a real marble. Yeah, that shit looks good. But uh, back to you, Kai. All right. Uh, so, okay. So a couple things, my understanding on these, number one, this stuff is coming out on the 17th. Number two, 
there was some kind of arrangement made and the aftermarket or at least some of the aftermarket i think the what is it the evga or whatever those ones are coming out day of they're going to drop on the 17th as well and people are trying to figure out who's getting advanced access to what you got the 3070s, the 3080s, the 3090s, the 3070 TIs, and I think the 3080, the 3070 TIs are supposed to be dropping early, and the 3080 TIs are supposed to be dropping soon, TM, and the, uh, and nobody knows, like, you know, the 90s, that's whatever, but like the 3090s are like $1,500, yeah? The 3090s are basically, I think, the new Titans. I think they renamed the Titan to the 3090. I almost yeah. kind of wanted to get it at that point. I was like, oh, I want this 3090. It's top of the line. And then I realized, oh, wait, 1500. That's, the, that's just the Titan, and it's 1500. Yeah, that explains why it's so expensive. So yeah, yeah. I want even 3080 Ti personally. Yeah, 100. percent I think, I think, I think 3080 Ti is going to be. I think 3070 Ti is going to be like if the 3070 is 700, the 3070 Ti. I think is going to be somewhere around the, you know, like another 50, 60 bucks. And it's going to be dropping very, very soon uh, to no pre-orders, obviously, but very, very, very soon, if not same day, because they made some kind of a special deal. 3080 Ti, that one you're going to drop an extra, you know, whatever, 150, whatever bucks on. But, you know, that one is you're going to wait maybe a month or two before those are, are, are out and about. But in the end that the fact of the matter is is it's time you know it's coming this is this month it's it's when it starts and over the next i would say two two to three months is going to be a very good time to update your graphics card if not your whole rig depending on what your situation is in these covid days there's a lot of people that are like yo that's not really a possibility but whatever um roy what do you think about all this uh well i think I'm pleased to see the at least the initial benchmarks uh, that we've seen so far. It's impressive, and I'm glad to see the the prices on the mid and lower tier, um, you know, uh, reachable. And it, I think it's going to be good competition in the whole market as well. So, yeah, the uh, mid the mid to lower tier is better than the best tier now, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not it's it's like when they did the 900 to the thousand jump it was not it's it's not like the difference between the you know the the 1070s to the 2070s it's markedly a and now obviously you have to take everything with a grain of salt and i want to see more benchmarks and i want to see more whatever but this is a big big jump forward this is more than your regular jump yeah, I've, I'm still running 10 series. I held out on the 20. I'm glad to see that this is uh, the jump that it is. So it's it's worth the, it's worth the upgrade now. Hell sure. yes, I'm I'm doing the same. I'm going to be jumping up here uh, in the next couple of weeks. I've had the money set aside. I've literally had a couple grand set aside for this, but my computer guy was like, "You cannot buy right now. I'm not letting you. You're you're dumb <laughs> if you buy right now. In two months." You're going to be kicking yourself. So it's like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll listen to your advice, and I'm glad that I did. So, all right, uh, tweet. What do you think? I know you're a console player, but uh, well, first off, there's <laughs> yes. your, your new consoles are coming out, and those are great. But then, doesn't this look pretty sexy? Is it enticing? It does. It, it does, and I've been getting inching closer and closer to wanting to go to PC gaming. Anyways, the problem is 
I'm a married man, and I don't know that I could justify $1,500 for a gaming computer to my wife. Uh, that, that would be a tough sell, I think. And right. I, part of me wonders, too, I mean, this looks great and everything, but how is it going to be for actual gameplay and all that kind of stuff? But anytime you can push technology forward, that helps everything. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how close the new consoles are going to be to this kind of stuff. Here's what you do. You start her off thinking something worse. You start her off thinking there's another woman. And then you break the news. There's no other woman. It's just you want to buy a new gaming rig. And by comparison, that's nothing, right? Yeah. Do not follow my advice, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Get back to it us will not work time. well. This is some Puerto Rican legal advice. Do not follow it. All right. Uh, did I get who, who? Anybody got anything they want to throw in on this? Uh, the graphics card stuff. Obviously, yeah, we'll be following it as it goes. Go ahead. I, I was going to throw into tweet. I was going to say you got to come over to the from the console side, get to the PC side. But then you said you're married, and I, I understand now because I'm married too. So do you know how hard it was to okay a brand new PC with a VR headset <coughs> and everything to my wife? I get it now. So. That was that was very tough. So I understand. Here, here's the thing, actually, for tweaked. I here's what I was thinking with regard to tweaked. On the one hand, it's easy to say, come to the PC side. It's all this fun stuff. But he has a whole community that he is deeply, deeply embedded with that. Yeah. I think almost all of them are Xbox guys. And yeah. that would be a weird situation to leave that. That would See feel later, really guys. weird I'm going over to PC. Get out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, you, you hit me in the feels. You hurt my heart. All right. So, yeah, that looks good. And we'll be following it more uh, as it as it comes. We're, we're going to, you know, we're going to get into this stuff. All right. Let's move on to Frontier News. We're going to start off with a little bit of an odd one here. We're going to start off with market news. So Frontier, uh, they posted their RNS market report. Heads up, people. Frontier is now officially a billion-dollar company. The current share price is 23 pounds. It was, for just as by way of comparison, it was two pounds and 30 pence when Elite Dangerous launched. Their market cap, it's 10 times that now. Their market cap is 896.9 million, roughly, that's pounds, so roughly 1.2 billion, with a B, dollars. They confirmed in this uh, uh, registry that uh, Elite Odyssey will launch in quarter one. They uh, talked about their new publishing label, Frontier Foundries, which just launched two uh, their first two titles out, uh, uh, you know, external titles. Struggling, which is a weird little sort of platformly puzzly, cool physics-based game by uh, Chasing Rat Games in Canada. And Lemnis Gate, a tiny, wimey, real-time strategy meets tactical FPS Groundhog Day 20-second loop game by Rat Loop Games in Canada. There's a weird Canada rat theme going on with their first two uh, uh, companies that they're working with. Uh, but most intriguing to me in this uh and uh, there's a there's a link to it in this this actual official posting on the london stock exchange uh where they did their release uh um and and trading update there was a paragraph that talks about elite odyssey and it talks about it says stuff that we've already heard it talks about you know it's launching in q1 it talks about fps it talks about you know face to face yada 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 But here's the thing that was huge to me. 
It says, and I quote directly from the update, and increase, it talks about different things that's going on in the game. And it says, quote, and increase cooperative opportunities within the game. Now, this is huge for them to throw. It's so huge that they threw it into the trading report. They're saying publicly and upfront, and as one of the major statements about this, that they are focusing on more player with player stuff. Now, if you're focusing on more player with player stuff, you can't do that in any kind of smart or intelligent or realistic manner under our current system. If you're talking about increasing player with player opportunities, I think this goes hand in hand with the statement that David Braben made at the investment dinner uh, or meeting, whatever, last year, where he said that Odyssey will, or well, he said at that point, the paid expansion, the paid update, will represent a significant refresh of the underlying code base. You, that, what we're talking about here, people, to break it down is better instancing issues, better ability to like work with larger pe- groups of people, you know, getting winged and multi-crew shit sorted, getting the spaghetti code out of the way of being able to do shit with your friends. And if you've been paying attention, you've noticed it's gotten worse over the last couple of months. And I assert that that is a good thing. And here's why. It's gotten worse because there's been additional strain on the servers. There's been additional strain on the servers because there's been more people playing than ever. This exacerbating the problems is just highlighting. It is putting a spotlight to Frontier on the fact that they need to get their shit together on instancing and all of this stuff so that cooperative gameplay and focus more on it can happen. They talked about in the post that that uh, um, Tim made after the initial Odyssey teaser trailer, they talked about combined operations. So people in scooters, along with people on foot, along with people in ships, all working together in a sort of raid style. If anybody remembers the old World of Warcraft raid where you went into the Farian's lair and you had guys that were working the mind control thing and guys that were running around and, you know, you have like different teams coordinated to work on one sort of problem from different angles all at once. This is what they're aiming for. I've interviewed the product manager, Al Hibbert. I've interviewed community manager, Stephen Benedetti, twice. Uh, uh, I've interviewed uh, Arthur Tolmy. I've interviewed Bruce Garrido twice. This, all of this, every person that I've talked to has said, we want more player with player. We want more people doing things together. We want to engage. They're moving towards the MMO side, and that means working on these things. That's huge to me. We're going to take a break right here and get everybody's opinion before I keep going. Uh, Arson, what do you think? Just the idea of more player-by-player co-op. It, oh, yes, please. And and you made a really good point when you said that it made it into the trading report. And with the things that we know about Odyssey that aren't in the trading report, I feel that that's a really, really good point out. Mm, absolutely. Mechanic Man. Yes, but, uh, the, the spaghetti code that you were talking about, that's something I've been talking about for a long time on the forums and on Reddit and stuff like that. 
I never would disparage a dev or anything like that, but you can just feel it sometimes that, you know, you started out in Kickstarter and like, let's get this game as best we can. And a lot of things were probably hard coded and not set up the way they should have been. And you can kind of feel those, you know, buildings on top of buildings on top of buildings and certain things, especially pieces of the cockpit and stuff like that. So I was really, really happy to see that they had mentioned that they're finally going to refresh the code base. And my personal theory is that maybe I think that's kind of where they've been the last several months, you know, since we've kind of feel everybody's been feeling that things haven't been getting updated or maintained as well sometimes they think but i think everybody's been working on that refresh and i think it's going to really pay off in the end so i'm really excited mm. what that's going to bring right on roy and then tweak um i would just point out and we've mentioned this in the past uh for anyone that doesn't know you know there's a high standard of what information goes into these investor updates because it's a legal report uh, of a public company so they can't this isn't a marketing piece they have to state things um, in in a way that's proper for investors of the company to make good choices about that investment. So it's a it carries more weight than just a you know a, a, p- a piece of marketing uh, copy. Mm. All right, and tweet. Yeah, that, echo what Roy said there. But I, I would also say, like you were saying, to hear that code that was referenced very early on in odyssey that it was going to be a code refresh is what they called it back then and to hear what they're saying with it now just confirms more of the same and that is desperately needed i think that's going to erase a lot of problems not just instancing but uh winging up with people which is kind of instancing uh multi-crew problems multi-crew in wings possibly could become a thing all kinds of different things that redoing the code could fix Next up, we had the live stream on Monday, which was canceled because it was a bank holiday, so no live stream Monday. Thursday's live stream was the Galactic Intern, Bruce, visiting the Thargoid map room with Cannon. He was hanging out with three of the OG Cannon guys, and they went, took a little trip down memory lane and took them all into the map room. And it's kind of funny. The first thing they, they had, they had instancing issues and problems trying to drop the little things into the into the little receptacles there they ended up actually the guy dropped one from out like oh we're just going to put this uh guardian relic over here to the side he dropped it across the room and it slid across the room and plopped into spot like nope you're dropping it into the hole here and uh so the very first thing they did actually instead of doing it in the order they planned on which was galaxy map and then shit goes wild uh they started with thargoids gone wild and then then they moved on to the galaxy map, but uh, it was good stuff. It was good stuff all the way around. Um, so yeah, uh, not much there as far as you know news, news. But it was good, and it did highlight exactly what we were talking about of some of the instincts, instancing issues, and 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 whatever. So we will keep our eyes peeled for the streams you know in the coming weeks because we're at the point now where news has got to be coming so we'll look for news next week or the week after i would say you know soon tm all right let's move on next up the burr pit videos um i really wanted to just highlight one video but i had to uh i gotta say the burr pit if you are not watching the burr pit if you are not subscribed to the burr pit you are doing elite wrong Go right now, subscribe to the Burr Pit. Witch Space News every Friday is amazing. There are two news sources that I set my watch by, okay? I set my watch by Down to Earth Astronomy's Hello Dave every Monday and the Burr Pit's Witch Space News every Friday. If you haven't seen those two, you missed the news. 
Uh, but in addition to that, the Burr Pit released a video, an extra video this week called What We've Learned from Various Interviews and Articles. It was an amazing, great, great video. They dropped it on the 1st of September, and it had lots of stuff on there. Now, I want to be absolutely clear so no one is misled, and Burr was very clear on this too. These are unconfirmed reports that we've gotten from the different articles and interviews that we're out. We've talked about pretty much all of them last week. You've heard it. We talked about them. We picked through them. Um, but while Burr is very careful to say like, hey, this is not confirmed. This is what was stated by Not Frontier. This was stated by a third party source. That's this news outlet. Take it with a grain of salt or whatever. It's still interesting to hear the thoughts and then listen to Burr's sort of where it takes him thinking about each thing that is said. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm going to jump right to the next one and we'll get comments on all of these together. The next one is obsidian ant videos. He's got two videos that he dropped this in the last week that are sort of, of note. The first is the elite dangerous odyssey survival mechanics, 12 minute long video in which he talks about no ship interiors. Again, this is unconfirmed. That's from polygon, Charlie hall. Uh, he talks uh, about the Destructoid interview, where they talk about social hubs, FPF missions, settlements, starports, and survival mechanics, i.e. your suit. When you're in your suit, you're dealing with heat issues, you're dealing with radiation, you're dealing with the need for energy and oxygen in your suit. How are those survival mechanics sort of going to be balanced? Because if you make it too realistic, if you make it too where it's like, okay, I can do a you know 12-minute eva and then i have to get back in or whatever that's not fun gameplay but if you make it too easy like i can just you know log out overnight sitting on a rock in the middle of whatever that's too far the other way so where exactly do you put the balance on all of this super super interesting then he talks about uh there there's reference to that tweet now this is a private this tweet is now marked private go ahead and throw it up on the screen arson but this was a tweet by one of the investors from the get together uh last year and this is the one where i talk about earlier i talked about the uh underlying code refresh the tweet is now marked private but we have a picture of it from before it was marked as private uh which should be up on the screen hopefully uh, all right and then okay with the delay, I can't tell. So then there's the uh, series of updates as opposed to th there's a thought that it seems like based on some of the stuff that we're hearing from Frontier, where they're saying, you know, this will not be in at launch. We're working on this, but this might not be in at launch. We're hearing on two or three things. And to be clear, when I'm talking about virtual reality support, where I'm talking about... Um, walking around by the way yeah when i'm talking about walking <laughs> around in your ship and station when i'm talking about uh various other uh uh types of planets or whatever other things frontier has basically made statements on just about all of this stuff saying we have nothing official to announce right now we are working hard on it we are attempting to uh you know sort of get it right so that we can provide it uh, it may or may not be available at launch. We will let you know in the future, but we are working it. In all of these cases, if if what we're hearing is, hey, it, we're, we're trying to get it in, it may not be at launch, that sort of implies very, very clearly that there's 
something after launch, i.e. this is not just going to be a one and done drop. You pay your 30 pounds, you get your, you know, you get your Odyssey and that is Odyssey. I think what we're going to see here is you pay your 30 pounds, you pay your 40 bucks, whatever it is, you get Odyssey. Okay. A download that's all of Odyssey at the time. Then, you know, three months later, six months later, nine months later, 12 months later, for the next maybe two years, you get updates, you get stuff, content patches and drops and and as well as bug fixes and all of that together in a ecosystem that will all be Odyssey. And then, you know, two years later, you get what's after Odyssey. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, Planet Zoo, the Elite Dangerous whatever um so so that is that with regard to the uh the 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 content drop they talk about ps5 and xbox release they say that it will be 100 playable on ps5 and xbox so long as they're backwards compatible but they're not doing a separate build design build at this time they are evaluating it for the future for ps5 and xbox i think you're kind of dumb if you don't think they're going to eventually do something for it but you know it makes sense to not rush out and be whatever when if the both systems are backwards compatible and they can make it work on what they've got it, it makes sense to do it stable wait till the stuff comes out and then you know gear it up and, and get it going right after the bugs are sort of worked out of both the systems then you can work the bugs out of your system uh and and then he talks about how the dev diaries need more focus on facts and less marketing he talks about the first contact program which i'm a member of along with him uh we the show is a member of um and uh and then there was the second video which was 3306 elite dangerous starting out on foot free paint job uh frontier foundries you know you we talked about frontier foundry already we talked about last week the WCCF Tech interview uh, with uh, Luke Betterton, where he said that you can start on foot. Uh, starting on foot will be an option come come uh, Odyssey. Um, and yeah, the paint job we talked about last week as well. So there's all of the stuff. Let's get uh, Arson, your opinion on the Burr stuff and the uh, and the uh, Obsidian Ant stuff that sort of all go together. So Burr's video was a fantastic, short, concise, what we know. Uh, he should definitely uh, be proud, or I guess they should be proud of uh, the effort that they put into that. It was very well done. Uh, for the other bits uh, about that, I just got to say on the, the console side of what Obsidian talked about, one thing that I think people should really just kind of stop and think about is mm. elite dangerous the cobra engine that built it is a multi-platform engine it's not specifically built for console it's not specifically built for pc it's built for all of them and when they implement changes for ps5 and you know the new xbox one x all they are going to really have to do is just make the necessary changes to just unlock the extra features that make the game shinier on those platforms. So I think that mm -hmm. when they do it, the, you know, the new gen console players are going to be pretty happy. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's no big deal. All right. Uh, Roy. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree. The, uh, 
the Burr video, as always, fantastic visuals, and uh, it was a very concise wrap-up. I, I agreed with the way he characterized the, the level of certainty about different facts. I think it's just a great, a great well-done piece. Um, in Obsidian's video, one of the things I keyed in on was when he was talking about um, how the survival elements might be integrated into Odyssey with, you know, whether it's heat or gravity or energy or radiation. Um, you know, he, he's not a fan of that. Um, and, and it was an interesting reason because in his, his mind, if they don't balance it correctly, you'll end up with gameplay loops around gathering resources to restock whatever it is you need to survive. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, I like myself, I like survival games mm. as a, as a genre, um, you know, outside of elite and others, uh, the thing I think that's interesting about that is it's been brought up before that if you're exploring, that's a gameplay style, that's a gameplay loop. And yes, there's certain things you need to do to prepare to explore, like building your ship and perhaps engineering certain parts of it. And uh, part of the whole issue around, uh, you know, the tritium issue was how much mining should you force explorers to do if that's if they want to be exploring and i think it could bring in that same sort of thread of uh if you want to be going around and walking around planets and exploring what's the right balance of how much resource collection or engineering or other things you have to do just to maintain your ability to to mm -hmm. do the exploring so i thought that was an interesting angle on it yeah for sure uh tweak your thoughts on all this yeah i keyed in on two things on obsidian ants especially and one was the survival and I can't remember which article I read it in or maybe it was even your interview with Al but they had already pretty much and it confirms it to me talked about for example when you're walking out on a desert planet and exploring that your suit's going to have limited amount of oxygen and you're going to have to monitor that kind of stuff and that plays to a survival aspect to me and to me that adds to the simulation that Elite Dangerous is trying to be so that makes perfect sense to me. The other thing that really grabbed my attention was the starting the game on foot for new players, <laughs> because that brings two thoughts to my head. One, that means you're going to be able to earn enough credits on the ground to be able to buy your first ship. Mm. And two, if you do buy your first ship, every science fiction movie or game, one of the best. Yeah, I think we just lost tweaked. We lost him. All right, we're going to have to move on. Tweak, yeah. drop Discord, and come back. Something's going wrong with your Discord, brother. Darkhand. Yeah, you know, I was actually going to go along a lot with what Tweak was going to say. It, it kind of, you know, the fact that you can start on foot is pretty darn cool. That kind of tells you you have the money to buy your own first ship, just like he said. But it also tells you you have the option probably to not buy your own ship. So what other kind of cool stuff are you going to be going to be able to do without even needing a ship? So the question is... That, what kind of awesome gameplay are you going to have in that regard? Well, they, they basically already stated it when David yeah. Braben said that we're going to transpose all of the stuff that you can do from one to the other. Um, it's, uh, um, I'm sorry, I said I, I referred to you as Darkhand, just that's confusing for people. That is your commander name. My commander name, mechanic, by the way. Mechanic yes. Man is, is who we're referring to you as because that's where your content creation is. Sorry That's about okay. that. No problem. Uh, yeah. It's just that yeah. Obsidian's, Obsidian's, he was kind of worried about those survival aspects too. And again, like Chief was saying, you know, that we kind of already have that you have to monitor your oxygen, you know, when you're in your suit. Well, you have to monitor your fuel when you're in your ship too. So, I mean, these are things we're already used to. It's just, you know, displaying them in a different way. 
So it's not that much of a a change, I don't think. I think we're we're nervous because we love our game so much, but I think it'll end up being okay, provided we get VR support. By the mm. way, because as a <laughs> VR only player, it does not exist for me until we get that here. I don't get that everybody's saying if pe- multiple people are saying from this article. Well, if you're starting on foot, that means that you have to be able to earn enough money to buy a ship just on foot. I, I, and and I don't get that for several reasons. Number one, it's the newest content. So obviously the, the pay rate is going to be commensurate with things that you can do in ships because otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. And they want you to play the new thing. So whenever a company puts out a new expansion, the, the highest paying, the best, the most lucrative, the new stuff, the new new, is the the stuff that they want to highlight so obviously a the money's going to be there but b the entire premise i think is false and you say well if you're starting on foot then that means you don't have a ship nope no it doesn't you could literally start like all the rest of us but instead of starting in that lhs whatever the hell of like you're in the baby system and it's going to walk you through you could start in a pla- on the planet in that system with your, your sidewinder in the hangar yeah. your sidewinder is on the in the hangar and they tell you you have to do your sidewinder is there ready for you you own it already but you have to do these sort of five missions to unlock the orders your transfer orders to go for your space training Mm. at that system so first do these five missions after you do them that unlocks your garage where you can now get into your uh, fleet or not fleet carrier your your sidewinder (laughs) that you already own and fly up to the local space station where you report for duty to start your training missions with that new player the shit that they did back in september where they did arcs and the new player experience it'll just be you have to check these five boxes before you can access your ship and then you can and it's not going to be hard that there's no reason for them to punish you for starting the new way it's going to be trivial but it'll give you at that point the freedom to either just go balls deep on foot and do tons, you know, hundreds of hours of on-foot stuff if that's really what you want to do. And then your ship's there at any point. Whenever you're ready to jump out and go do, hey, I've had enough peanut butter, now I want chocolate, go get it. (laughs) Oh, I've had too much chocolate, I want to go back to peanut butter. Sure. Like, it's a video game. They're going to give you the options. All right. So the next segment we have is... um, Actually, the Colonia ship availability is in peril due to BGS action. Tweet, cue us up this story. Yeah, this is kind of interesting, and this is just another aspect to everybody that's kind of being introduced to to the BGS with this whole dark wheel thing as to what exactly the BGS can affect. So there's been a situation brewing in Cancosa, Colonia. Uh, there's only one, Robardin Rockets, the only high-end shipyard out there in Colonia, and they currently are controlled by an anarchy government, which mm. means they are allowed to sell Alliance and Federal ships there. However, there is another faction. See, see right now they're controlled by a faction by the name of the Nameless, and they are not a player-made faction. What they are is an NPC faction that a group of players are using like a proxy faction. So it's it's actual commanders affecting them, but they're not a player-made faction, if that makes sense. There is a player-made faction that is an independent faction that has started to challenge for control of that system. 
there's just a war to, going on out there and if they win it they're gonna lose those ships so just to, just to clarify real quick sorry to interrupt but it's the system name is carcosa carcosa so, that's right yeah, yep yeah. go ahead yep but but with this war happening if the explorers nation which is the other faction the pmf they're an independent faction if they win the war they will gain control of the system which then will make it not an anarchy system which means they will lose those alliance and federal ships and, and what that would mean at that point is nowhere in colonia could anybody buy a federal or an alliance ship except for maybe fleet carriers and then they're kind of at the mercy to the prices that commander set on their fleet carriers that'll be interesting because i don't think we have i i don't know yet we have to see how that would work because it might be that the fleet carriers have the ability to sell it or it might be that they don't we really don't know that'll be that'll be really interesting to see um all right this is another good example of what the bgs can do though it's not just running missions and stuff it actually has a lasting effect on the galaxy per se yes yes all right and we're gonna roll that in with the next story which is the Colonia Engineering Advancement. Marsha Hicks just last week got the ability to do grade five frag cannons. Um, so just to, to sort of give you guys a breakdown of what we're talking about here, all of the engineers that were released in the bubble were released with, these are their set stats. This is what they can do. But later engineers were uh, released in uh, Colonia. And when they were released, they all had low levels of stuff and some of them had the ability to go all the way up to grade five on this that and the other but they you have to actually level them up so right now the big push of those people that are living out in colonia is they're trying to get etienne dorn who everybody knows is the only guy that can do the grade five uh lightweight uh life support and that's what everybody pins with him but he also has the ability to do grade five uh, detailed surface scanners. But right now he's sort of locked, I think, at level three. So we have, you know, people living out in Colonia have to go out there and level him up to four and then level him up to five. And that's an interesting sort of mechanic that I, I really, really dig. And I kind of like the idea of the new engineers, because you're nuts if you don't think we're getting new engineers for Pew Pew and new engineers for your boots and new engineers for your rocket packet and your armor and new engineers for your different types of SRVs that are coming. I would really like those to follow the Colonia sort of uh, uh, thing of, okay, man, they're all at level one. Go out there and level them up. That would be awesome. So, all right. This is the Colonia news section. Let's start with Mechanic Man. Your thoughts on the weird BGS affecting the ability to get some ships and the recent uh, leveling up of the engineer out there. My comment is more generic about the BGS in general. I think that's like when you come down to it, it's, the BGS is kind of like the heart and soul of the game. And I don't think it gets enough visibility. Personally, I think everybody should be working on the BGS. That's the reason you do these little missions. That's the reason you do your your combat and your conflict zones and all of that. I think that should be brought more to the forefront in the UI, in the game, in the lore, and everything. Because that's that's your reason for why you want to do everything. All these examples are just great examples of why you want that. And I think if we were, could make the BGS more visible to just the average standard player, make it a little easier for them to get into it and figure out why they're doing what they're doing, 
I think that would help the game tremendously because it gives you a reason to do those things. You know, I'm grinding whatever a thousand times to get some credits or or I'm grinding a thousand times to to level up my engineer or something like that. You have a reason to do that grind and suddenly it makes it less grindy. So I think the BGS being more in the forefront is should be a huge thing. Tweak, your thoughts. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've often said that the BGS is the lifeblood of Elite yeah. Dangerous. Everything you do in this game affects the BGS. It's just a matter of how much it affects it and whose BGS you're you're messing around with. Right on. Uh, the, the, the Colonia stuff is really interesting. Uh, like I said, with the fleet carriers, it may or may not be a big deal. I don't know. And and honestly, I don't know that the Explorer's Nation is going to win it. It's, it's up in the air, but... But I've seen this kind of stuff happen before, but never in a place like Colonia where there's one shipyard where you can get that stuff. And there's commanders, there's people that live out there. They never come to the bubble. So they kind of depend on that that, that station out there. Right, Upgrading the engineers, that is super cool. That is something new to me. I didn't know that was a thing, and I'm glad I haven't already gone out there. I'll be making my trip before long. <laughs> right on. Right. Yeah, I would just say, you know, BGS is actually the game <laughs> if, yeah. if you don't know anything about the bgs then you're not actually playing the game um it's it's that important to what's going on in the game um it would be great if there was enough in the game to teach people enough about bgs so that when they're if even if they don't want to mess with it they would at least know that when they're going to different stations and doing different things they may in fact be affecting things inadvertently exactly. and i think that happens a lot in high traffic systems where you know, the BGS factions are trying to get things done and it's just the random flow of regular traffic that's causing a lot of noise because people are just doing their thing and they're not realizing what what they're impacting. I played for almost a year before I realized like, oh, that's what the BGS is. Oh, okay. It took me forever to figure it out. So yeah, <laughs> I think I think there's a ton of players out there like that. All right. So we're going to move on to two things that we're going to put together. Uh, these are two key guides that are both pinned on the Elite Week Discord as of today. So the first one is Commander Exegius put out Elite Graphic Settings in detail, a 20 minutes, 26 minute long video. He goes through each and every one of the graphic settings, explains to you what it is, explains to you what kind of a hit you're gonna take on your performance, why you might want it on this setting or that setting. It's great stuff. If you have questions about the graphic settings, go check out that video. And then my man, Down to Earth Astronomy Astro, who is getting married this weekend, put out the ultimate Elite Dangerous Keybind Guide, a 46-minute long video, which is amazing and will make your gameplay better. I know that it's a long guide, but go through it. Check out the keybind suggestions that he gives and why, and he talks you through what you need and how you need to set it up. It is good shit. Arson, your thoughts on the keybind guide and the uh, video settings guide? Uh, the the keybind guide, I, I I'm major major into that stuff. You cannot live without it. If you've not gone through and dived into the settings and functionality that are in Elite's keybinds, watch the video and do it. It will be worth every second of your time, and it will dramatically improve your experience of playing the game. Um, I would put it up there with learning how to do things like fly your ship. Um, and then the graphic settings, if you want beautiful gameplay, that's definitely where to go. Absolutely. Roy? Yeah, I've, uh, 
I've gone all the way through the graphic settings. I haven't made it all the way through the keybind guide, although to be fair, I think the keybind guide is also even as uh, Astro mentioned at the beginning of it, uh, not necessarily meant to be watched from front to end unless you're really keen on that stuff, but he's also set up links so you can dive straight to the section you might have questions about. Mm-hmm. Um, the graphic settings, I, I learned some things there. I've tweaked my settings based on uh, the things that uh, Commander Exegius showed, and it's uh, done very scientifically, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm very thankful to both of them for going through this. It's... Uh, a lot of work and um, yeah, very basic stuff. And there's some real quality of life things you could be missing out on if you don't know both of these things, uh, that, you know, the information about these videos. So highly recommended. Right on. Uh, let's see. Tweak does console. So this is doesn't apply. <laughs> Dark hand. Or, sorry. Mechanic man. Your thoughts. Hey. On key binding does apply, though. I will say that the key binding sure. is super important for people. Right on. It is always back up your keybinds. Always. Do you, do you play keyboard as, as as well as controller tweak? Because I know you can put a keyboard on both the Xbox I, and the PlayStation. I do not, but even on my Hotas or even my my Xbox controller, I have all kinds of hotkeys and everything. Just because I don't play with Fire Group, so I've got all my shield cell banks and chaff and all that kind of stuff set up on hotkeys with oh, wow. different key bindings and stuff like that because forget trying to be in combat and switching fire groups it just that half a second can be life or death to me so i've got oh, yeah. all kinds of hotkeys set up and nice. it doesn't have to be i mean you can find a guide like this and, and props to these guys for going through the details that they did but with the hotkeys and the key bindings what i would say is find what works for you because what works for me might not be best for somebody else it's it's really to what you can learn and what you like with your preference of flying so but absolutely everybody should be setting up hotkeys and using the key binding all right mechanic man it, that, that's exactly right find what works for you don't ever copy somebody else's key bind oh i've got an x56 so i'm going to take so-and-so's key bind that won't work so i just i just built it out when i was building my key binds i sat down at my little vr cockpit and i'm like what do i want to do right now what's my first instinct when i want to hit boost what do i want to do if, if i'm reaching for my you know my radar zoom where am i reaching just instinctively you've got to build it yourself little by little it takes i'm still adjusting my key binds four years later so i mean <laughs> find what works for you build it slowly it's not something you mm. have to have set right away just build it as you go and it'll be totally natural but it's totally only for you good stuff all right move it on We've got Roy stories. It's time to hear the continuing stories of Yune Sakashiro. Welcome back to our reading of Inara author Commander Sakashiro's story, Unbound. We pick up the story in Part 4, Incoming Message. Hey Yuna, this is Logan. I know you're busy at the shipyard right now, but I wanted to ask if you'd like to meet me later. There's something I wanted to tell you yesterday already, but the place was too busy and loud. Just tell me when your shift ends today, and I'll be there to pick you up, okay? Hey, Yuna, this is Logan. It's getting late, and I was wondering, did you receive my previous message? Hey, Yuna, it's Logan again. I still haven't received a reply from you, and Owens isn't answering calls either. Is everything okay over there? Hi, Brandon. Logan here. Have you seen Yuna at the diner? I'm on the way to the shipyard now, and there seems to be something wrong. If Yuna shows up, ask her to wait for me. Hi, Logan. It's Brandon. Unit hasn't been here yet. Sorry. I'll message you again if I see her. Take care. Brandon, Logan here. I'm at the shipyard now. Something weird is going on. The front door is open, but all the lights are off. I'm going to call the cops now. If you happen to see Unit, tell her not to come here. I'll keep you updated as soon as I know more. 
Logan, be careful out there. Brandon. Part 5. Wanted. Jeffrey Rhodes had been an investigator with the Coral City Police Department for almost two decades, but there had been quite a few days when he just wanted to quit. Today was one of those. Martin Owens, owner of Owens Shipyard and Jeffrey's friend since they went to high school together, had been found dead today, along with one of his customers. Apparently, they had both been killed by one of Martin's own employees. Martin's customer, a guy named Roy Vargas, had been working as a freelancer for the ISA. Although the ISA had no authority outside the Empire, they would frequently recruit bounty hunters to apprehend runaway slaves seeking refuge in other parts of humanity's populated space. Apparently, Martin had been unaware that the young woman he had employed only a few weeks earlier was a former Imperial slave who had been on the run for almost 10 years. Surveillance camera footage from landing pad 6 showed Vargas as he followed the woman into a storage room. Owens was seen entering the same room shortly afterwards. Several minutes passed, then the woman emerged from the room, this time wearing a respirator. The CCPD had found no footage from inside the room, but the investigation on site had painted a pretty clear picture. Owens and Vargas died from inhaling toxic gases after the woman had opened a container filled with hazardous waste. Dear Logan, I'm writing you this letter because I want you to know what happened at the shipyard and why I'm wanted by the police. There are some things I never told you, things that happened in the past long before we met. I want you to know that I'm very sorry about what happened to Owens. I did not mean to hurt him. Today an ISA agent showed up at the shipyard. I did not recognize him at first because the ISA uses technology called body sculpting to alter the appearance of people. However, the agent recognized me. He tried to force me to come with him. I was so scared. I don't want to go back into slavery. The ISA does horrible things to slaves, especially to those who try to run away. I'm sorry I never told you about my past. I wish I could have spent more time with you. It meant so much to me. I'm going to make my sidewinder and leave the bubble. I will try to get out as far as I possibly can. By the time you read this letter, I will be hundreds of light years away, or in prison, or maybe dead. I'm crying right now because I realize we will never meet again. I'm so sorry. I love you. Yuna. What a way to come back to that story, man. Jesus, that's... uh. Ooh. All right. So I think we're now at a sort of uh, pause point for the Yuna Sakashiro stories, right? You're going to start yeah. up next week with Commander Hans Dieter's reports, and then we're going to sort of come back to Yuna you know organically and pick it up at another point in the in the saga yeah yeah we've we've gotten some other entries and uh we definitely want to uh share it around a bit and feature people so <laughs> if you've got stories you'd like us to feature uh send them to us on the discord or send us a link on the discord and we go look at it wherever it is and uh and and figure out how to feature it in with uh, our weekly readings right on right on good stuff all right so now let's move on to real world science and let's get it moving because we got ground to cover. There's a lot of real world science today. We're going to start off with SpaceX launched the Falcon 9 Starlink mission LC-39 Alpha on September the 3rd. There's video footage of it linked in there for you to go check out. Insane Curiosity put out a video about NASA's Artemis 1 project. Now this is the project to go to the moon and stay to colonize uh, boots on the ground by 2024 with colonization plans and then on to Mars. And the reason why I say and then on to Mars is 
that this program in in getting people on uh, sort of colonizing the moon, not just for a visit, is going to be sort of the advanced testing procedure where they're going to test all of this stuff, which they're going to later pack up all of this data, what they learn, what works, what doesn't work, and take this stuff and use this on the Mars project. So it's very, very good video and a 12 minute video. You should go check it out. We've got a pair of what the math videos. The first one is recent discoveries and surprises compilation, three hours long. It's basically like 50 videos all just edited together. And we've got what the math strange space phenomenon compilation, another three hours long. Basically, these are not like, oh, go watch this just to watch this. This is for all of us commanders out there who play on the second string, uh, second uh, screen. You got six hours of awesome real science shit to kind of, you know, play with your 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 head and get you excited and get you inspired and et cetera, et cetera. So put those on the second screen. I've got two podcast recommendations I want to make. The first is JPL on a mission. JPL stands for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Um, on a mission is a great podcast by JPL. They're the guys that make the rockets for NASA. Uh, season two, episode seven had an episode called Planet Asteroid. Now, last week, actually for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about series and Vesta and whatnot. And uh, I wanted to, to highlight that video from season two because or that podcast from season two because they talk about uh the dawn mission that went to series investa uh they talk about um also the first two registered interstellar asteroids uh uh Mua, which got its name from uh hawaiian mythology because it was found in hawaii and uh the two i borisov which is called 2i because it's the second interstellar uh, object that was recorded. And uh, Borisov is the name of the uh, astronomer who found it. So super, super interesting stuff. And if you're looking for a good, you know, real world science podcast, people who are like, where the hell do you find this stuff? One of the places is JPL on a mission. I listen to it every week and it is damn good stuff. The second podcast I want to recommend is Space Time Podcast, and it's uh, an Australian fellow who does it in association with the National Science Foundation in Washington, D.C., uh, and they have some cool and interesting and funky stories in there. Uh, so I wanted to just, I'm going to kind of try to highlight every week a podcast or two of some real-world science stuff for those of you who can't get enough of the stuff. Next up, we've got a new study shows that Europa's ice shell is free-floating over a water world. Um, basically, there is a planet-wide ocean over in Europa, and uh, there's a, a ice shell over the, uh, over the uh, you know, watery filling. Um, this is something that has been sort of theorized for quite some time, but we now know that, you know, this is the case. Uh, we they have basically information because there's a 70 percent or 70 degree shift and there's like cracks that came from that shift. Uh, and they're like, OK, this is the only way you get this is if it's free floating, uh, if it's over a, 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 a water world and it's not connected, it's not solid all the way down. Um, there is an upcoming mission, the Europa Clipper mission. 
It's a uh, mission coming up to the most likely place where we're going to find life in our solar system outside of Earth. This shit is amazeballs. There's a video. There's both the JPL NASA gov mission page which is uh listed in the show notes and a youtube video that has me super super excited europa is the uh is the place man it is the place where if we're gonna find life like legitimately we're gonna find it on europa there might be little swimming something or big swimming somethings in europa and I don't know about you guys, but I am super, super, super excited for all of the amazing shit that's coming up. Like, we're in a new era. It has begun. And speaking of that new era, the ESA tested uh, Cheops just earlier this week. Now, <clears throat> Cheops, interestingly enough, is uh, it was tested in upper orbit uh, in, in preparation for its mission to search for Earth-like worlds. Now, it was launched on a Soyuz rocket back on December 18th of 2019 uh, from the uh, ESA spaceport in French Guiana. Because of restrictions in the EU of how you can like take off rockets, most of the e actually all of the ESA launches are coming out of uh, not Europe. Uh, they're mostly coming out of uh, North Africa, but uh, there is a new range that they're getting set up they will be able to do launches in Scotland coming up in the next year or so. They're going to have uh, the, the first launches, and that's super, super exciting. But getting back to Cheops, basically, um, its mission is to monitor the transits of exoplanets uh, and to sort of search their compositions based on the different readings that they get from the transits. And when I say the transit, I mean the time where a planet goes in front of its star based on very complex readings that they can get from that they can tell like oh this one's a water world this one's a high metal content world this one's a you know a, an ice planet etc etc now there are over 4,000 exoplanets that have been found and recorded so far and this particular mission this cheops mission is they sent a a, a really high-powered uh, uh uh sensor device up to get good readings on those 4,000 exoplanets and to see like, okay, which are the ones that we want to evaluate for this is, we should be looking at this or this or this, because these are the ones where we feel they're more likely to, you know, have interesting th stuff for us. Um, all right. And we've got next up, we've got the U.S. Air Force grapples with combat AI spoofing possibilities. I believe this was arsons. Yeah. Or was this Roy? Uh, I think we could both talk to it. I had brought it up, I think. Um, Go for it, Roy. So you recall last week we talked about the competition that had happened with the AI uh, flying mm -hmm. off against other AI and then flying against a human pilot and uh, soundly trouncing them. So this is interesting because that's you know that was in a virtual environment, very controlled test. And what's also happening in parallel is... Um, the, U the U.S. Air Force has concerns about, uh, you know, in the realm of electronic warfare, there's lots of ways to spoof signals and make things appear where they're not and change how things look. 
uh, and they're worried that this could happen with AI and have some disastrous consequences. So they've been working with MIT, uh, the MIT Air Force AI Accelerator since 2019, looking at ways to uh, first figure out what all these vulnerabilities could be as it applies to AI pilots, and then figure out ways to harden it uh, against that manipulation. So it's it's all well and good. The AI, like I said, the AI in a controlled environment can do these wonderful things and outfly a pilot, but it also has these additional vulnerabilities. Uh, one of the examples they gave was, you know, they can hold up an image and it's an airliner and every human would look at it and say, well, that's an airliner. And then they say, well, you could run that through the world's best machine learning algorithm and it might tell you it's a pig. Now, when I read that, I also remembered what we reported last week about Elon Musk's new Neuralink <laughs> having been installed in the pig. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, AI connection with the pig. Coincidence? I think not. Um, AI but anyway. want our bacon. <laughs> but anyway, that's. I'm glad to hear that they're working on that. Because um, there's obviously, it's not obviously as simple as just throw the AI in the jet and let's go. They, they got to make sure it's as, uh, you know, hard to spoof and hard to trick. Uh, hopefully yeah. uh, harder to trick than a, than a human. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's three things there. Number one, when you have the largest air force in the world, and and we have the most, when I say largest, I mean capability wise, we have the largest air force by a long shot in the entire world. When you have that, you don't want to turn it over to robots where now your advantage could be you know overturned by anyone who wins the tech war. And now controls and, and now your your largest air force in the world is now attacking you. Number two, yeah. you, you definitely don't want to be in a situation where you, you can have signal jamming or other kind of issues where your stuff now becomes a dud and, and can't respond. That's why you need to have pilots there. And number three, you need to have humans involved whenever I, I think as an ethical choice, I think we need to keep humans in the decision-making tree when you're killing people because there's very good reasons history will show you there are times where a madman gives an order and says you know go out there and kill all of these people and human beings have said in the past some have said okay and done it and that obviously is that way madness lies but there have also been times look at tiananmen square Look at the the tank that the, the guy with the two, you know, he's literally a guy with two shopping bags and the tanks are rolling through to go crush some whatever. And the guy just says, nah, fuck it. I've had enough. And he stands with his two little shopping bags and the tank starts to go around him and he moves. And then the guys literally just give up. That is a beautiful fucking thing because there's times where human beings have to get involved and have uh, uh you know, have a, a decision-making tree that includes ethical processes. And I strongly disagree with anyone, Dunkalora, who says there are no ethics in war. There needs to be ethics in war or you get absolute horror. And and those people that say there that there are no ethics in war lead to war crimes. You have to have ethics, especially in war, more than any other time. It's a situation where you need to have people that say, no, I will not follow that order. It's it's an unlawful order. You need to keep humans in the tree. Um, all right. Sorry, I jumped in there. Go with the who's got the new propellantless space engine, and then we'll get everybody's uh, input on all of the stuff. Uh, yeah, I can talk about that one too quickly. So 
Um, you may recall uh, a few years back, there was a lot of hype around a uh, propellantless engine. It was called the EM drive. It looked like a copper, sort of a copper cone on its side. It had something to do with microwaves. That is not what this is. This is a different, a different effort by a different two scientists that have been working for years on a side project to come up with um, a way to use um, Einstein's equations uh, to figure out how to impart inertia to something without, you know, with, with just electricity, basically, is the short story. So what this is, is a kind of thruster that doesn't shoot anything out the back. So you could put it on a, on a spacecraft using, say, nuclear power and um, have it make a small thrust that continues on and on for a long period of time, get it up to a fraction of, you know, a large fraction of the speed of light and visit other star systems. It's the kind of thing I think many of us, um, you know, hope and dream for because it enables things like in this game we're playing. Um, anyway, where they are with it right now is it's a, uh, a chamber. It's got a stack of piezoelectric discs. And when you hit them with electricity, of course, piezoelectric uh, material, it bulges a bit uh, when you when you hit it with electricity. And what they're doing is they've set it up to oscillate and then synchronized this electricity so that when it goes in one direction, it gets energized. And according to, you know, uh, e equals MC squared, you put energy into something and you can um, you can affect its inertia. That's the theory. And so if you can affect its inertia when it's going in one direction and then take away the energy when it goes back in the other direction, you can impart a net force. Um, it's a great sounding theory. There's lots of physicists that disagree with uh, mm -hmm. this effort. Um, and for many years, they were getting results that really couldn't be distinguished from noise. So mm. you know, na nano nanonewtons of, of force. Um, more recently, they've gotten a couple of orders of magnitude uh, more force to the point where now you can see it with the naked eye. And so it's generating a lot more excitement um, they themselves are skeptics. Um, this is not something that they've, you know, this isn't what they're doing for their whole uh, uh, career. This is just a side project. But, uh, you know, it's reached a point where it's getting attention. Um, it's gotten, they've been giving presentations to uh, Lockheed Martin, the Department of Energy, Sandia National Laboratories. Um, it's starting to get some funding. They've won some grants. Um, it's at a stage where, you know, it's, it's deserving of some more analysis. So exciting, exciting stuff. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and the history of everything that works is preceded by it not working, you know? The, the, <laughs> so that's, yeah, this is what you do. This is super, super important. You start with stuff that's a long shot. You throw stuff against the wall and then you have a breakthrough someday and it changes the world. Uh, all right, let's start with uh, Roy. Your thoughts on all of the stories that I did before that? Oh gosh, let's uh, let's look back through all this. Um, I would say, uh, you know, we keep talking at various times about different uh, planetary bodies, moons, and so forth that might harbor life. Europa's, I think, the crown jewel in that whole story. Uh, I hope to I hope to live to see that thing get discovered, uh, and hopefully that's coming soon. So, um, very excited to see more things, uh, more things being discovered there and proposed there. And it just means that it's more likely that that mission is actually going to happen, uh, as they find more things that, that justify it. 
So um, happy to see that. I'm I'm uh, definitely going to put um, those podcasts you've brought up on my on my listening list. I, I love uh, uh, listening to that sort of stuff uh, over the week. It's um, really cool stories. So beautiful, Arson. Your thoughts on all of it? I'm excited about the uh, propellantless engine. That is pretty awesome. Uh, we could see some pretty amazing long duration journeys, I believe, with that. Uh, that's really all I got for that. All right. Uh, Mechanic Man. Super excited about Europa, but I mean, you know, Arthur C. Clarke <laughs> told us that we're not allowed to attempt landings there. So I don't know how we're going to do it with. But other than that, I think that's probably is our best, you know, our best shot at finding anything solar system. One of our best shots. The sure. propellantless, uh, the propellantless drive is incredible. I, I hadn't had a chance to read that article. Checking it out now, I'm like, isn't that just the EM drive? But no, this is incredible. I, this was news <laughs> to me too. I, I, you know, I wonder what kind of thing. We know the EM drive is kind of being debunked more and more now, but I always wonder what what about the EM drive got our attention and what about this new propellantless drive gets our attention and where are the crossovers? What did the EM drive have perhaps even just a little tiny bit of truth into it that this is actually utilizing? So, I mean, you know, we can still take these so-called failures and figure out, you know, learn more about the things that are working based on that. So it's incredible to find out, you know, what we can learn still from where we screwed up with the EM drive. So it's, it's great. hundred percent. Tweaked. Yeah, a smorgasbord of real space stuff here, really. I highly suggest everybody check the show notes when this is all done and check it out. There's a lot of good stuff there. But I'll also grab onto that propellantless space engine. The thing that caught my attention to that is it's not NASA or Elon Musk or any of those guys that are coming up with this. It's an individual guy that NASA has taken attention to and given some funding to and everything now. And and I think I've said before, rocket engine is only going to take us so far and this is what we need we need to find another way to propel our ships out there a new space engine and this is one step closer to that hopefully we can see something like this in our lifetime to start pushing a little further and further out there in space can't just jim woodward's his name i should have i should have mentioned that jim woodward's the the primary scientist working on it right on mechanic man what were you saying i was just saying you can't we can't just keep throwing stuff out the back of our ship and expect to be taken seriously in the galaxy we got to figure out a way to do this. <laughs> yeah man we need to get to that zephyr and cochran moment that's right all right so uh tweak why don't you uh why don't you jump into we talked a little bit earlier on the uh bgs and etc why don't you jump in real quick and give us a breakdown on the frontier discovery scanner this is a throwback but it's a good one and we we should talk about it dav stott explaining the bgs this was when it was first brought in and he did it in detail it's a good video that i highly recommend every commander should check out tell us about it tweet yeah okay everybody get your pocket protectors and your uh, number two pencil sharpened up this is professor dav stott taking us to school it for anybody that's been running missions, I've seen in Discord saying, well, uh, I just look at the orders and go do how many it says, where it says. I don't really understand why I'm doing it. This is about as deep of a breakdown as you can get on what the BGS is, why the BGS is, and how everything is interconnected. It is a fascinating video. It's about an hour long. And really, what you will, in my opinion, come out of thinking when you watch this video is, holy hell, this game is so much more complicated than I ever thought it was to begin with. It, it is just, it's everything from how the factions all work together to 
how the and start the, the the stations and the settlements work for the faction and and everything in between i mean this video is it's it's like an, a super advanced college course highly suggest everybody check this thing out it is probably my favorite video that fdev has ever put out and if anybody is interested in the bgs i mean this is a deep dive into exactly what the bgs does and why it does it Right on, good stuff. All right. So next up, we had yes, I cannot um, enough recommend everyone check that video out and see the the amazing universe that you're in that you might not even notice. Uh, next up, we've got Commander Exorcist of the SPVFA put out the Grand Solar Tour. Um, this is for sure legit stuff. Everyone should go check it out. It's beautiful. If you want to see our solar system in, you know, in a new light, you cannot do any better than looking at the way the SPVFA puts it out. And Commander Exorcist is one of the best of the SPVFA, so cannot enough recommend it. Go check it out. Next up, we've got SAG Eye Magazine, Volume 28. The podcast was released. Now, there's a new format. This is going to be podcast only for a while. Uh, coming in Odyssey, when things come up, they're going to reevaluate and see, but they're really feeling that the best thing that they can do right now is to put their efforts, or expend their efforts uh, all into doing the podcast. And with this, they're now going to go back. They're not going to be quarterly anymore. They're going to go back to doing it every month. It's going to drop the new episodes on the first Wednesday of every month. And Sagai Magazine is the absolute single best podcast with regard to elite dangerous you need to be listening to that podcast um if a new sagai drops and a new elite week drops listen to sagai first we can wait it's that good all right so the stories this week covered or this month rather covered voyages to the galactic rim this was an amazing amazing story there's stuff in there i don't know how many commanders don't know that at one point you were allowed to double supercharge your uh frame shift drive and it talks about double supercharging back when you could do it it's no longer a thing that you can That's do fine. it talks about mid-jump fueling i.e you're literally starting the process for your jump and while you're doing that somebody's got a, a fuel limpet coming to you they talk about Vassal Point, and Vassal Point is named after uh, the uh, uh, point that Shackleton went to in real life and history. Uh, and they talk about sort of the history of pioneering journeys. Um, they did a jump, literally, they needed to wait. When they did the uh, AA-AH2 uh, uh, jump, they literally had to wait for the engineers to come out. They couldn't do it until they, all of the new engineers came out. Then they had to do, you know, the double supercharge, the, the, the mid fuel jumping. They ended up with 400 kilograms, one percent of fuel in their in their uh, uh, ship, and they had a 350,000 light second trip that they had to make in a short. I think it was like 12 minutes. They had very very little time uh, to get there. Uh, you fuel up in the neutron star and make the jump back. They basically scouted it for months, planned it and engineered for weeks so that they could do a 20 minute flight 
to get to the farthest point. Uh, so, so, so they were talking about going north and south, going up and down from the galactic rim. And they got to the farthest point that was capable at that time. If you love this sort of spirit the, of adventure and travel and like extreme, you know, shit that I'm talking Marco Polo, Shackleton, uh, you know, uh, Vespucci. If you're talking about that, that hardcore Viking spirit of like traveling out into the beyond and just seeing you know how you can do there being being an ultimate sort of uh explorer this story is going to excite you and and ignite your imagination next up was the mother of redemption prison story which was actually i read out uh, personally uh for for sagai magazine uh it's a very cool story which i think is going to inspire a lot of people with the idea of like how is the crime and punishment system going to be handled in Odyssey? Because this is super, super interesting. The idea of having different things that can dissuade people from acting out. Um, next up, we have the Lone Wolf's Guide to Surviving a Conflict Zone. And this was read out by the lovely Commander Rini, of, uh, the wife of Commander Burr. And uh, for those of you doing the Dark Wheel stuff, you really, really should check this out because, you know, we're in wars all the time. And when you're in conflict zones, this gives really good advice on tips and tricks to if you're on your own, how do you survive the conflict zones? Because there's sometimes when you're in a high and if you get yourself in a murder ball, shit can go bad quick. Uh, so this is super, super good stuff. And next up, the last story was White Dwarfs, Neutron Stars, and Black Holes. They explain the real science behind these things, how they work, and, and you know, the fact that eventually, in many, many millions of years, our, our sun will become a white dwarf. And they talk about, you know, when the sun goes supernova, what's, you know, what, what are the different mass characteristics of the degenerative materials that would lead it to go towards a, a white dwarf or a neutron star, or if it's really, really got a lot of mass into a black hole. The, the neutron stars are the least of them. White dwarfs are the ones that are in, sort of in the middle and black holes are the heavy, heavy ones. So uh, let's start with Mechanic Man. Your thoughts on the Commander Exorcist uh, Grand Solar Tour? If you've checked it out and Sagittarius Eye Magazine and those stories. I, I love the history of just all of all of Elite. The individual things are great, but just being able to talk about it like these are actual historic events, I thought were incredible with this community, especially. And it's just all the mm. amazing things that people can achieve, the things that they pull off and just, yeah, they did it. That's great. But the fact that, you know, they it goes down in the history books. It was so cool to me the first time years ago when I started seeing that, especially with things like Distant Worlds and stuff like that. It was just incredible to do it for one and then just to have it be part of the game's history as another. That was so great. I just love it in general. Absolutely. Arson. Your thought. Arson? <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't prepared to speak. Um, yeah, I don't have anything. I'm sorry. Roy, I uh, as a as one of the newer players, I've only been in, you know. I, yes, I was a Kickstarter backer, but I actually only started playing the game since January. I'm very thankful that these stories exist to be able to go back yeah. and and that there's organizations like this that can give life to the story. And and uh, even though I wasn't around for it, I can you know vicariously experience it. So thank you to the to the team that puts that together. It's able to tell all the new players all this cool stuff that went on behind. Look at all the cool stuff you can do in this game. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's great marketing. Absolutely. Tweet. Yeah, I'll take the SAG I part of it myself. I am a huge fan of SAG I, and I got to say, I'm thrilled with the uh, the new format. They're, they're not doing it quarterly anymore. They're going to have a podcast every month. And to me, that is spectacular news because I can't get enough of the in-universe talk that they have. And your story about the prison, like you were saying, that totally spurred my imagination about, you know, I, I, every now and then I find myself in the, uh, in, in the pokey, so to speak, in, in Elite Dangerous. And what would happen if I was behind bars and had to work my way out of there with space legs? That could be some fun gameplay. Mm. And, and I also would suggest anybody who is new to conflict zones or even new-ish to conflict zones, take a listen to that story. Cause like Kai said, that is some good advice as as to what to do and what not to do and how to survive in a CZ. Especially, especially there's a lot of times where people are like, ah, my ship's well-engineered, I'll be fine, I don't need to have a plan. That's all good unless you end up in the wrong end of a murder ball because that shit will rearrange your priorities on life real quick. And Absolutely. Or, or even the spec ops. The spec yeah. ops find you, then then you're in trouble too. And they, they explain that in there. It's a, yeah. it's a really great piece for anybody that's not well-versed with the CZs. Absolutely. All right. Next up, we've got EDS Scout version 1.3.0 was released. Uh, we've got a link to it in the show notes. Arson, why don't you uh, update the good people on that? Absolutely. So for those that aren't familiar, ED Scout is a tool that allows you to basically scout out systems in your route. So you set a waypoint in the game and it calculates the systems as you travel to them and it helps you find planets that have not yet been scanned. So for those of you that are running tools like ED Market Connector and contributing to the, all the wonderful sites like EDDB, Anara, and ED Star Map, uh, you can actually utilize this tool to help fill in the gaps on planets and what have you that are not actually already discovered. You've got a preview of patch notes for those watching live, but the, uh, the tool has been updated to include some new features and new interface elements, and it is a pretty sharp, snazzy tool. And I recommend checking it out if you're into exploring. Absolutely. Next up, we've got the Canon Challenge. Canon just dropped this. This new Canon Challenge is uh, ridiculous. It's a situation of they're saying like, hey, do you really want to get in up close and personal with all of sort of what the discovery is about? Do you want to get real deep into the exploration and scientific side we put together a challenge that by the time you're done with this you're basically going to sort of be like knowledgeable the way sort of a member of canon would be now obviously they've got tips and tricks and stuff that's even more in depth with how they figure stuff out and all kinds of procedures and whatever but this is an undertaking that would i I think this is going to take somebody months to do it's over 500,000 light years in total travel. And that's it's not just jump, 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 jump. It's jump to a spot, read through the explanation, learn sort of the science behind what they do, go to a place, scan a thing, see a thing, see a, an everything, one of pretty much everything, and get up close and personal as much as you can with the science in this game. Now, I'm right now attached to the dark wheel project so that's what i'm going to be doing if i wasn't 
this is what I would be starting tomorrow and be doing for the next couple of months in the game. I cannot highly enough recommend uh, get involved in a project in this game. We've got several months until the new Odyssey drops. And in that time, I suspect, and I've been saying for the better part of a year, they're going to do something soon. Between now and October 1st, they're going to turn back on the story in some way. I've been saying I think the Thargoids are going to reinvade. New shit's going to happen. But, you know, A, that's a thing that will be here. Um, B, it's not here yet. While this stuff is going on, you know, get your stuff ready. If you don't have your money right, get out there and get your money. But there's a lot of us that have our money right. I'm sitting on over $45 billion. I'm good. I don't care about money right now. Uh, in, in which case, you know, get into the dark wheel. Get into a BGS of some sort. It doesn't have to be us. It could be against us. Whatever. Get into this kind of thing with canon where you're going out there. But in a sandbox game, you make your own fun. If you're bored, then you're boring. All of the people that are out there saying there's nothing to do in Elite, are you fucking kidding me? We've just run through two hours of amazing shit to do in this vibrant, alive universe. If you cannot find fun in this game, get your head out of your ass and and look at all of the stuff that we've said and pick one. Jump into races. Jump into this canon science shit. Jump into the BGS. Jump into, you know, the SPVFA stuff that's going like there's <laughs> there's so much. Uh Arson, your thoughts. All right. Yeah, no. Quick, <laughs> your thoughts. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean that canon challenge, if I wasn't leading up a faction that you know we're, we're creating our own little bubble and getting my money right before odyssey after buying a fleet carrier and all that kind of stuff i'd totally be down for this this is something i'll put in my back pocket to do down the line uh but but like you i'll echo everything you just said this game i don't understand how people can be bored with it because there is so much i've i've got three years in over 13 weeks of in-game time and there's still so much stuff that i haven't even done in this game yet that i'm just just trying to find enough time to go do that find something join a squadron find a cause to fight for there there's so much in this wonderful game and it's only getting better and better roy hit us up drop some knowledge well yeah i'm 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 wanting to figure out how to be a part of that canon challenge i love exploring um the the interactions i've had with uh professor uh Iwan from canon have been fabulous just amazing learning opportunities and and uh he as i'm sure many of them in that organization are are very generous with their time and teaching and it's just a great a great fun experience and and uh hugely hugely entertaining you know to peel back the layers of all the secrets in this game yeah speaking of awan he's got a tour coming up i think starting next week like next tuesday or whatever that's going to be doing a uh he does these tours and you can find them on his youtube and twitch channel uh, where he does like sort of a guided tour and takes you through different aspects of lore and story. And he's got one coming up on Black Flight Squadron, which is sort of the men in black of the elite dangerous universe, which is they were the guys that were suppressing knowledge of the Thargoids and the Guardians and all of that stuff. It's really, really good shit. Uh, Mechanic Man, your thoughts? I love the game. Oh, man, there's always so much. There's so much you can always there's so much to do. I mean, there's 
it is literally a sandbox. I love what you just said too. If you, if you find a game boring, you are boring. I, I, that's that's really true. Sometimes you need to take a break, step yeah, away sure. from a little while. You might be a little burned out or something like that. But there's so many different things you can just come back and do. Like I guess I was coming back into Twitch and I was getting a little burned out myself. And I'm look, you know, just watch all these other pe pe uh, people just having fun and playing in the sheer, you know, just like the joy that you see in the communities and the people who are playing. Sure. It's, it's fantastic. I don't even play that much anymore. I sit in the game in VR and I fly around and look for cool angles for my next video. <laughs> I mean, that's that, a thing though that's a thing exactly there's so much you can do even if you're not necessarily playing the game hanging out with your friends and chatting over the voice comms in the ship i mean there's so many different things you could do and and with the facelift that they're giving the entire yeah. galaxy coming up in odyssey you know it's going to be that much more of you, you're going to have to spend hundreds of more hours going back to the planets you've been to and seeing how much more beautiful they are now there you go yeah yeah all right all right, next up, we've got the feedback from the last uh, two weeks. Now, that includes the Super Friendos, the Al Hibbert interview, the, the two uh, episodes. So, uh, Roy, hit it up. Yeah, so there's a lot of feedback to get through. And uh, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to try to hit the highlights from what uh, each person wrote. Um, of course, the full text of all of this is... Uh, in, in the Discord, in the community feedback channel. So if you're interested in someone's thoughts and something we highlight here gives you, gives you a hankering to hear a bit more about what they said, you can go look there. Uh, but I'm gonna kick it off here with some feedback we got from Commander Hans Dieter, who incidentally, as we mentioned before, is gonna be featured uh, next week with uh, one of his episodes that we'll read out. So he says, um, while I'm obviously uh, excited for Odyssey, I'm also a tad cautious about it. At the moment, my expectations for what's going to be in it are limited to exactly what they've shown us and nothing more. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't expect Frontier to deliver something something good here. Quite the opposite, in fact. But I believe that by speculating about what may or may not come without concrete proof, one is only doing oneself a disservice by creating false expectations that, if not met, will only create unnecessary animosity towards the devs. They have enough window-licking smooth brains that like to throw around insults over the most minute flaws of the game on the forums to deal with already. There's no need to create more pressure for them, be it intentional or not. That's not me saying anybody should or shouldn't get their hopes up and speculate. Do what you want. I'm not your dad, but I'm saying don't get salty at the devs if your expectations don't get met. Uh, not talking about anybody in the show or the Discord here, I'm pretty certain none of y'all are the kinds of people to do that. This is more directed to the aforementioned glue sniffers. <laughs> Commander Gator Dunn uh, came in and shared with us, I'm new to Elite. I watched a down-to-earth astronomy video a couple years old about where ED is versus where it's come from. It's come a lot further since then, too. Some of the stuff the old-timers here had to deal with, I would have pitched this game out with great prejudice. I'm just getting it now, and I've been going up the occasional wall with quality-of-life issues that don't make any sense to me, and I don't understand why they prioritize some of the things they've released before they did stuff like cross-platform play. But I still love this game. Oh, I can uh, real quick, I can address that. They didn't do cross-platform play because they weren't allowed to. And yeah. it's just been in the last couple of months that Sony released the, the reins on that and said, we'll allow it. But when you release that those reins, this game already, they're in the midst of a huge update. And they don't know 
to what extent people are going to be telling the truth on is the next generation really going to be crossplay? Because they said before, at least two generations ago, oh, they're going to be crossplay next time. And then when it actually launched, they were like, eh, change our mind, faxies. Nope, not so much. So sorry, go ahead. Okay, we got another piece of feedback from Commander Oseshes. Says, let me express where I want to see Elite Dangerous in five years' time in the form of a hypothetical story of my day in the game. I start the day at a crafting station on a planet-side base, putting the finishing touches on a dozen heavily engineered, handcrafted sidearms. In the previous days, I have spent hours and hours on multiple locations across the planet gathering various biological components, and also spent time delving inside an abandoned mine shaft, cave, hand-gathering ore with my trusty mining tool. After finishing up by engraving my personal crafter signature on all the weapons, I load them into my suit's backpack and head off toward the landing bay where I left my Alliance Crusader parked. As I take a turbo lift from the industrial center of the base toward the landing bays, I hear alarms begin to sound over the base-wide intercom. Though the glass walls of the turbo through the ga- excuse me through the glass walls of the turbo lift, I see dozens of Thargoid interceptors and scouts descending rapidly through the atmosphere. Their strange propulsion tech in interacting ferociously with the oxygen-rich composition. A rippling caustic effect that seems to do battle with the air itself. At length, I arrive at a well-known and notorious pub, the name etched in holographic lettering above the main entrance. Harry Badges. I step inside and make my way past the center bar toward the booth on the far end of the room. Seated ahead is a player I recognize well and for all the wrong reasons, Slick Willie. I take a seat across the table from him. You got the guns, he asks. I know I'm about to make trade with this player and that I will undoubtedly make a pretty penny from this transaction. Beautiful stuff. And that's coming from the guy who's currently number three in the eight-wheel drive endurance challenge uh, of all of the races so far, the, uh, the three races so far. He's in third place overall. Yeah, he needs to put that stuff in uh, in our logs. Like, there's a lot more there than what we read, and it's good stuff. He, yeah, he's a good writer. Um, so, Commander DJ Wiley wrote to us uh, in five years' time. Uh, this is where he, what he would like. Uh, number one, comets will have visuals. They will be awesome. Uh, Periso will be a sight to behold. There will have been a major balance pass throughout the game, and it will be viable to make credits via other activities other than mining. Um, we will have a whole range of cool SRVs to play with in addition to those introduced with Odyssey. And a reason for asteroid clusters to exist has been added. Um, materials only mineable in clusters, and people actually visit them. Commanders make use of an amazing new bookmark system, including folders. <laughs> <laughs> folders, sharing, and planetary positions. The narrative of the game returns to Galnet with multiple engrossing storylines, and commanders struggle to find time to participate in all of the CGs and IIs. Instancing and multiplayer aspect of the game greatly improved, including wings and multi-crew. Walking around ship interiors and stations added with meaningful gameplay, including repair and EVA missions. Fuel scooping from gas giants and improved gas giant visuals added. Additional landable planets with thicker atmospheres gradually added after Odyssey from Waterworlds right up to Earth-like worlds. 
Absolutely. And just a quick note, that's Perico from the Perico, Perico Challenge. Yeah. It's the system where uh, okay. you've got like four or five stations that are all orbiting one. It's the weirdest thing. You can literally go for docking request and it's like from which station because you're seeing multiples all at once. The next bit of feedback came from Critich the Lost in reference to where they would like to see Elite Dangerous in five years. One of the things mentioned was player markets. Maybe not on full EVE-style player-driven economy, but some manufacturing or, I don't know, something to really get the space capitalism a boner. Speaking of EVE, take another page out of EVE's playbook and right now announce a hands-off policy regarding scams. If someone steals your shit, that sucks, but that is on the loser to learn from. EVE did a player retention survey that showed that people who were blown away by other PCs early on stayed longer than people who weren't. So player interaction, any player interaction, is positive for player retention, and I myself happen to agree with him on these points. Testify, brother. All right, we got another piece from Phil Barnes. Says he'd like to see in within five years a return to story and narrative. I know this is a sandbox game, but there still needs to be something to give the game soul, to give it life. I miss the feeling of wondering where the story goes next, the speculating and investigating of strange goings on, more focus on the social aspects and being able to effectively play cooperatively with other players. I have recently gotten some friends to start playing, but I feel myself lacking when they ask what there is to do when playing with other commanders. This is both instancing and gameplay-wise. More interactivity with the game and more engaging gameplay. A good example is laser mining versus subsurface and deep core mining. I really, really enjoy the mini-games connected with subsurface and deep core mining. It's more active and way more fun, and I can actually feel like I am getting better at something. Uh, next up is a, a brief comment from Al Hibbard, uh, who, if you recall, uh, was interviewed by Kai uh, a little while back uh, from Frontier. He says, thanks all for the feedback here. It's great to read and to know that some of these things, and sorry, I can't tell you which, are very much getting focused right now. Can't wait to share more. Right on. Dun dun dun. TM. <laughs> I've been saying it for for months. Go ahead. <laughs> the next bit of feedback came from Sephiridian on YouTube and says, personally, I think there's a lot of value in ship interiors of terms of in terms of RP and just trying things tying things together with the other parts of Odyssey. Maybe the adventure happens outside the ship, but it'd be great to get there by actually moving through the ship as opposed to a fade-to-black loading screen. Much in the sense that a hallway is not an exciting thing in and of itself, but it's great to get whatever's on the other end. And hopefully, our ships could be more interesting than hallways, more like our personal space or housing. If that's not in the works, that's a pretty big disappointment for me. Social hubs... I'm really hoping this will mean station interiors, not just small settlements on planetary surfaces. I think it could go a long way to making the bubble and Colonia seem more alive and truly a hub of civilization if we had stations and settlements we could gather at. And our next piece comes from Valoran. Yeah, Commander Valoran, I guess his name is. He says, I want to be able to land and interact with every celestial body I could logically, I could logically in the elite universe. 
I want all the atmospheres, weather, water, lava, methane, lakes, water worlds, garden worlds, animals, plants, skimming cream, I mean gas from gas giants, and so on and such forth. I also want it as scientifically correct as possible, including fixing the two brutally inaccurate things now in the game. As, such as local star tint in the background, for example. Person, you're up. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> oh, this is mine, isn't it? <laughs> Switched up on you. All right. So I said where I hope Elite is in five years. On our ships, I want to be able to pick up a friend wherever they are going. Uh, they're in my ship. My God, I can't read my own thing. <laughs> I want to have them bored and have the game functionality be in such a state that we can crew the same ship regardless of which one of us owns it. If anyone on board the ship has access to the helm, uh, then I want them to be able to control the ship when we log off. If I'm thinking about... Uh, I'm specifically thinking about long-range expedition-type exploration or a crew that works and lives together on one ship, kind of like in Fly or Fly. Uh, and I would like to see more executive control, uh, executive control ships that use the mechanics provided by fleet carriers added. I would like to see smaller jump skiffs with a limited cargo, maybe five tons, only four pads, and a rearm and repair, and refuel only at a significantly uh, cheaper price and lower maintenance pads. Uh, I'm sorry, lower maintenance costs. Uh, you could even call them jump skiffs. I don't know. I would also like to see manufacturing or processing and agricultural ships that we can manage and use the resources from, as well as a specialized colony ship with specialized heavy-duty planetary dropships, note that we can't fly, uh, designed specifically to place prefab structures. Uh, most of all, though, I'd like to see variation in these. I'd like to them to all have the same 500 light-year jump range, but different efficiency rates with tritium. And I'd also like to see the re-edition of a one-hour jump cooldown, which we could bypass for the current 15-minute jump timer in exchange for creating an endurance system so that carriers can uh, move faster or slower depending on how overused they are. Our next piece comes from Van Otter. It says, in five years, I'd like to see planet probing. Attach a camera, thrusters to probes, and allow us to peer through the clouds of planets in a minigame, taking scans, shots of things we later want to explore. Here's a specific scenario. As your probe goes inside a big storm on a Jovian planet, it's shaking and falling apart. As you try to steady its course, a lightning strikes in the distance and imprints a swirling cloud you see a excuse me and imprinted on a swirling cloud you see a partial shadow of a kraken like creature trying to weather the storm okay and then finally uh we have some reviews that people have graciously put on itunes for us um the first one uh from my name is Brittany. uh i love listening to this podcast the optimism and positivity are so refreshing. Even when issues with patches or content changes within the game arise, there is always a positive perspective coming from the podcast. Kai does a great job counter-arguing tastefully and isn't afraid to let guests express their own viewpoints. Conversations and interviews are always interesting and engaging. Elite Week isn't just a great source of elite dangerous news, but Kai graciously promotes the work of other creators and player content within the game. 
Then we heard from David Shunji. Thanks for the great podcast. I love how it's built on promoting the elite community. Single malt, single malt Scotty. Uh, I believe he's in the chat at the moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, great content for elite dangerous players of all levels. I have thousands of hours of experience in elite dangerous, and yet I find myself learning something new about the game and the community surrounding it every time I tune in. Whether you're a new commander or a seasoned veteran, Elite Week has something for you. And then finally from Shinobi909, I'm very happy to have found this podcast. Love this podcast and thank you guys for inspiring me to get my noob behind back in the black. Right on. Thank you guys. That's Those are all very, very lovely words. That wraps up the feedback, yeah? Yes, that's all the feedback. Beautiful. Thank you guys, one and all, for uh, the feedback that you put. I want to say something real quick. Just for those of you who tune in live next week, on next week's episode, we are going to have a thing where I'm just going to ask a question in the chat at some point in the episode, and randomly, I'm going to pick something that strikes my fancy, and you're going to win a special code for something from Frontier. So... Tune in. Come on in next week. Hang out with us live. Enjoy the party. Mm. Um, let's see here. For state of the game, uh, I've got a couple of things. Um, the first one is the Flight Assist Off podcast uh, dropped an episode this week with Father Bill. I happen to think that, first off, Father Bill is awesome. Secondly, Flight Assist podcast is awesome. And thirdly, of all of the awesome interviews that they have done, this one is the most awesome. How many times can I say awesome? Uh, <laughs> it was really, really good. And I very much dig. I love, I'm a huge old school uh, Battletech nerd, as is Father Bill. And I love him for that. Uh, and I also uh, love that the man has uh, his, 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 his conscience, his uh, ethics actually make it into the game. They talked to him about power play modules, and he said, uh, and this is paraphrasing, but basically he said, yeah, there's a lot of power play modules I wish I had, but I don't agree with the actions or the ethics of the different people involved. So he's like, I don't do Empire stuff because I'm I'm against slavery, so I, I don't get any of their modules. And the one Empire person that's against slavery is Ashling Duvall, but I don't like the way she carries herself and the dark sort of plots that she gets involved with. And, you know, the, I think it's referring to the, the stuff that, you know, back her and Denton Petraeus and screwing around with the Salome thing and screwing around with the whole, you know, getting the Emperor killed and yada, 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 trying to step into that line of secession. So he's like, yeah, so I don't get, have, uh, I don't have, uh, 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 prismatic shields I, I just go with my engineered ones and this that and the other and I respect the hell out of that so great stuff um, secondly I want to hit up the fact that I want to throw out just four and I, 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 I promote them all the time but right now for my money the best four elite dangerous content creators do not include me uh, they are uh, Commander Burr and Rini of the Burr Pit down to earth astronomy who is getting married this weekend Sagittarius Eye Magazine, who just dropped their new issue, and Galnet News Digest Radio's Commander Watherspoon. Go subscribe to those four. And Mechanic Man. And Mechanic <clears throat> Man. Five. Yeah, there you go. Five. five. There you go. There you go. But I, I didn't make the list. But, you know, you're, you're <laughs> listening already, so I guess I get away on a technicality. So, yeah. Uh, and lastly, 
Netflix just dropped away 10 episodes highlighting the perils and ethical concerns of a mission to Mars. This is a sort of 10 episodes, you know, from the Earth to the moon, but it's not sort of what would actually happen. This is sort of like looking at some very hard and deep questions about some things that may came up, come up on when we finally first make our mission to Mars. 10 episodes just dropped, I think, earlier today, if not like earlier in this week. And uh, when this episode ends, that's what I'm going to go watch. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, that's my state of the game. Uh, Arson, your state of the game. Got anything to add? I'm having fun harassing Roy. That's my state. <laughs> Roy, your state of the game. Yes, I'm being harassed. No, I'm. Uh, I finally gotten back into mining uh, after all the ballyhoo about overlapping hotspots and tritium and whatnot. I've just, I'm buckling down and making some doing money. It. So that's Beautiful. what I'm doing. Beautiful. Tweet your state of the game. Yeah, funny enough, Kai, my state of the game kind of piggybacks off of yours. I was going to say, I was talking to a bunch of guys in Opix, and most of them aren't aware of all the content creators around. So I can't suggest enough, all you guys out there listening, whether now on YouTube or later on podcast, search out Lave Radio, search out Flight Assist Radio, all that stuff. Flight Assist, Lave Radio, Sag Eye, Sagittarius Eye. Uh, Hutton Orbital, there's so much out there that's great Elite Dangerous content that I can't stress enough to, to look it up and give them, give it all a listen. Right on, man. And the coveted spot of the last person to chip in on State of the Game, Commander State Mechanic. State of the Game, thank you. Yep. I first off, wanted to comment on Tweak's comment that he just made right now, too. That's something I've been realizing lately is that the size of the community has gotten big enough that there are like pockets of community that don't realize that the other exists. Like when I just went over to Twitch, um, I would join in some of the chats and they're like, hello, mechanic man. Hello, wake Thanks for joining. I'm like, you, they, they don't know who I And I don't mean that from like a diva point. Like, don't you know who I am? I mean, like there's entire segments of the community that don't interact with each other. So definitely mm -hmm. that's a great idea. Go ahead and search stuff out and broaden your horizons a little bit and find that out. But state of the game, I would say... Personally, I just got over an eye-bleeding amount of mining in Baran to get my fleet carrier a little while ago. That was the last thing I did. Um, and every time I mined, every every single rock I mined, I had that image of David Rabin's video from the Kickstarter days where he said, well, we don't want you to be stuck, you know, mining asteroids for all the credits and that's all you can do to make money. We want to do something different. Every single rock I mined, I thought of that video. So I think we, we kind of probably need to get a little ways out and figure mm. out ways to kind of expand the ways where you can still make credits and still have fun. I get that maybe combat and the fun it, the most fun actions shouldn't probably be the most profitable because the fun itself can be kind of a payment, but you, it's got to kind of even out a little bit more. Everything else has to kind of round itself up. Maybe I want to do trading. Maybe I want to do mining, maybe something else. Well, they should all be around the same amount of effort in the same you amount should, of pay. You would be definitely happy to hear that bruce garrido addressed that in a in a uh -huh. frontier live stream a couple weeks ago in which he stated that um they are well aware that their player base is hungry for a balanced pass and while they cannot make any direct statements as to what it is that how that pass is going to shake out they are well aware that their player base wants it and they're going to be uh looking into it so yeah awesome thank you bruce now give me a whole toss and you'll be all set. I appreciate that. <laughs> right on. All right, guys. 
Uh, it's time to close this out. The closing song, as I said before, is For Tomorrow, uh, which is uh, by Sav FK. So I'm going to close this out with the standard uh, be excellent to each other. Arson, say goodbye. Bye-bye. I'm going to go harass Roy some more. <laughs> All right, Roy. Be safe. Have fun, everyone. Tweaks. Thanks for listening tonight, and, and I hope everybody continues having fun and to just enjoy this amazing game that FDev has given us. And Mechanic Man. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I very much appreciate it. It was a blast. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Um, have fun in the game, and of course, go to youtube.com slash Mechanic Man and watch all my videos. There's more to come. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Arson, take us out. 